the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So I have a thought on music because the music is on and I love it. Last night, it is difficult. (laughs) I'm laughing at myself, I admit it. Last night, for about two and a half hours, I was transported in my own home to my version of paradise. My audio guys were over, and I was listening to some new equipment to make my already incredible-sounding audio system, believe it or not, measurably, audibly better than it was. And you heard it. You got tears. It was really Billy Joel Piano Man. <laughs> good I, memory. Oh, not good memory. I, I knew the song, but you made me fall in love with it. And I now use it as one of my samplers to, to test out my system. That's so system. great. Oh, it is. Wow. If you I... heard it now... There is no question, it, it would be almost impossible to hear him live and hear him as well as you would hear him. I have heard him live, and I was in the third or fourth row, and your sound system is better. Yes. It was actually yes. kind of a, I mean, don't get me wrong, it was an amazing no, no, concert. Uh, no, no, live is always something. to be yeah, there. Right. But it's kind of abrasive when you're, at, when you're that close. When you're far away, you can't hear as well, but when you're right there, yeah. it's Well, this is right there and not abrasive. Yeah. yeah. So I had a lot of thoughts about it because I, I always think uh, from outside of me about I'm looking down at me as, as my whole life. I'm observing Dennis. It's fun. I, I enjoy observing me, <laughs> and not because of narcissism, but because that's how I learn about humanity. So this is really this this will interest I think a lot of people who know me for years. That. I always n- believed that in my essence, I am, quote-unquote, every man. I, I believe I have gifts. I mean, it's, it's not belief. I know that I have gifts. I, I right. acknowledge that. I've, I've had a very special life. All of that I know. I don't deny it. I don't have false humility. None of that nonsense. But I am just like, in, in, my, in my nature, I have the same human nature, not the same individual nature, but human nature that others have. So, therefore, I I was able to understand humanity by understanding Dennis. Mm-hmm. That that was a key, the key, to unlocking my understanding, especially of men. I I I'm a man. This guy's a man. He may be an a hole. He may be a murderer. But he's a man, and I'm a man, and we come from the same stock. So if I knew me, I knew a lot about him. 
that interesting? I love that. I mean, I do the same thing with myself, but you know, a lot of people, as we know, are not honest with their natures, both their individual natures and their human nature. Um, but anyway, you were saying that you so with okay, the audio so yes, so how, what did that have to do with all of this? So I was looking down on myself last night and thinking, this guy really enjoys life. I know you told me I have to share it with the the viewers. And actually, the other day I was thinking about whether this was a joke or whether you would actually like this to happen. Dennis said to me once, my tombstone will have a engraving that says he had a great time. And sorry to sound a little bit uh, depressing, but I do think about your death a fair amount. I don't obsess over it, but you know, it's something that comes to mind because you're such a huge part of my life and it's going to be really, really difficult to put it lightly when, when you're gone, as I know it will be for many people, many of whom have not met you. But I was thinking about your death the other day and, um, I was thinking I should really ask him, hopefully I have many more years to talk through things with you, but I should really ask him before he goes, (laughs) were you serious about that tombstone? Oh, oh, I, I, that's very interesting. It could be. It could it be could kind be. of fun. Uh, what was it? He had a great time. That's what you. Yeah, that's what you told he, me. Uh, I, if that were written there, I would be totally. Uh, I would. I would die in peace. Uh, but I think you die in peace anyway. But. Yeah. I, well, that's the hope. By the way, just for those who share your concern, my uh, if I died at the age if I die at the age like my dad did, I have a twenty-one more years. That's that's not a little time. And he was healthy. And, you know, there's no guarantee I could get a tumor tomorrow. I, I, But that's true for you. That's true for every living person. That is why, by the way, it is a gift of God or nature that we don't know the day will die. Yes. So true. Even, let's say you Absolutely. knew, oh, I won't die till I, my 100th birthday. Let's say, so what? So you would have... the. All of your life would be a countdown. It is a it is a gift that we don't know when we'll die, mm-hmm. and it's a gift that we don't know whether or not we'll go to heaven or whether or not there's a God. I actually think it is a gift because it, with if there were certainty, it wouldn't make life as interesting. I know I become better in the pursuit of trying to figure things yeah, out well, that's cosmically. Where, that's where you and I are real similar. Uh, dispositions if there are so he asks Sean does if there are a way to know what if there is a God oh the day no, not, I oh, oh, know. I would never want to know that no. that's why by the way I I can't think which is very sad for me to say to you just as your what you just said about death was sad for you to say to me the last thing I would want to do is enter a time machine and go into the future I really, can't yeah. believe I would come back happier. Oh well, absolutely. I would. I would. By the way, I Especially would love now. to go into a time machine back. Oh gosh, me too. Even just you would like to go 30, to Jane, Jane Eyre's world. <laughs> yeah, you know. Would you? I think I would. I, I, just to see, you know, imagine being in Puritan Massachusetts, right? Just to look at it and to see the way that people interacted with each other and see the kinds of structures you would, they if had. You got it was, to go you know, for one day. The amount you would learn. Oh my gosh! I know about humanity and history. Uh, I, 
I really, I what I would do, I see, I wouldn't go, for example, if I went back in American history, I, as much as I adore, and I do, these people were, were God's gift to the world. Franklin and Jefferson and Madison and Washington, I mean, they, they were giants. Right. Uh, but I, if I could go back to that era, I would go to a tavern with the regular folks. Oh, of course. Yeah, just... Yeah, well, that, what are they talking about? Mm-hmm. And... If you could go back in time and give yourself a message, what would it be? If I could go back in time and give myself a message, what does that mean, give myself a message? Advise teenage Dennis. If I could go back in my time, you mean in my life, oh, and I could tell teenage Dennis something... Oh. That's an interesting question. What would I tell young Dennis that I ne- I know now and didn't know then? Who? I have to think about that. I really, really, really thought starting, I would say at 14, I, I can almost date it. I Do you know that when I was 16, you'll get a kick out of this. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of every week, I would go from Brooklyn, where I, where my parents lived, not, therefore I lived, to Manhattan. And and you have to understand, in, in New York City, you don't even say I'm going to Manhattan. You say I'm going to the city. I know. Because everybody knows that's the city. Well, Not Brooklyn, I, not the Bronx, not Queens, not Staten Island. I'll, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Don't forget what you're going to say. But I always thought it was so pretentious. And self-righteous when I would meet people in college and they, you know, you say, at Harvard, there's four things. What's your name? Where are you from? What are you majoring in? And what house are you in? And so where are you from? People from New York would go, the city. They'd be like, you know what, a-hole. Sorry. They really did? Yes, they would. I would go, well. LA is a city too. No, no, Minneapolis that, yeah, but is that a is hard. city. So now Seattle you know. Now you know what I'm saying is accurate. Yes. But we who lived in Brooklyn would say it. And then they say the park. Like my friends yes, in Brooklyn. I went to the that's, park that's, today. Oh, oh right. Like Central Park is the only. Oh, park. that's very funny. That that's is me. true. Gets the, me the, angry. <laughs> so I'd go into the city every uh, uh, every weeknight, except Friday night because it was the Shabbat. And I'd be at home. So at sixteen. So I would come back like at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the, the, the cars were nearly empty. Sometimes there were, there, was never, there were never a lot of people. But anyway, so I was sitting like this, my arms to the side, because, you know, they're, they're just long. There's no individual seats on the New York subway. You just So I'm sitting back there, leaning back, and I... I I had teenage angst, a little, a little bit of that, and I remember, and it's amazing that I did it. I don't even take credit for it. I was, it's a, it's a gift, really. I said to myself, you know, any a hole could be unhappy. <laughs> unhappy is the easy way out, Dennis, mm-hmm. and. That was when hmm. something that doesn't occur to most people at 50, you know, get out of your damn miserable mood and and act and be happy. And I, I've never changed. So I'm only answering his question. I really did have a lot of wisdom at a young age. 
I don't take any credit for it. I think it's like piano talent. Mm -hmm. You've given it. I take credit for what I've done with the wisdom that uh, I've I've given to a lot of people uh, these insights, but I, I, I had it at an early age. What you just said about act happy, I have recently really started to believe in the fake it till you make it mentality. Hmm. I used to think, well, faking it is faking it. Yeah, right. It's inauthentic. It's inauthentic. Why would you, you know, and and we're such um, pursuers of of the truth. But but I actually think if you're unhappy, you kind of have, as you say in your book, you have an obligation to kind of fake it, act happy for the benefit of the people around you. And for your benefit, yes, because until yes, it you will, make it, it will. You know where you know where you fake it till you make it comes from. No, twelve step programs. Really? Oh, so oh gosh, me, you are so right that there's more wisdom uh, in AA than than at Harvard. Well, you could say it, uh, so, but but and, and Harvard's in better than places. Yale. I mean, Yale is really yes. low, but uh, that is true. And I I I thank God was never addicted, so I, I was never in a program. I knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. But that's the beauty of having a talk show. It's, that's the beauty over a podcast. Podcasts are great. Yep. I talked with I've talked with with people for forty years. Who can say that? Mm-hmm. Maybe a therapist could say that, but but well, I, they have the same people. You've spoken with right. a variety yes. of people, and they open up. So I remember people would say some stuff like that. Fake it till you make it. And whenever I hear wisdom, uh, it my immediate response on the air would be did you make that up or did you learn that whenever i hear a real piece of wisdom which is a great question to ask because then you know wow am i talking to a person who comes up with this stuff or just as important where can i look that you got that from and unbelievably over time well i you know i was uh I was addicted to whatever, gambling, liquor, whatever, you know, alcohol. And uh, I was in a 12-step program. The stuff that they, that they have learned, it's, it, 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 it's incomparable. So fake it till you make it. So I, I, you'll love this. So <laughs> when I talk about happiness to kids, which is my first choice, not to talk politics, is to talk happiness. Because if I tell them their feelings are not important, their behavior is, I have made a conservative. That's the irony. It's yes, not you're even, right. Not, not even my primary. I want to make them happy. But anyway, there are no happy leftists. So if they really do become happy, th- then I, I believe there's, there's a, a philosophical, political, moral change in the person. But anyway, so I, talk, I would talk about happiness and uh, tell them, you know, fake it till you make it or whatever however i would have put it before i learned that phrase and they the most common question is well you know sir that's not authentic that's not acting authentic so i would say to them i'll i'll tell you you're really into acting authentically i'm just curious do you fart in public <laughs> that is truly authentic correct a it lot is- of people do no, I don't think so. Thank God. At least, oh. uh, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Really, I, I, I thank God. Cannot say that. Have I've you ever been on a plane? That. Yeah, I've been. On, have I been on a plane? It's true. The question is, have I been in a house? <laughs> uh, but uh, in, or in 
authentic is body odor. Authentic is Oof. bad breath. Oof. I mean, this this that people don't realize we spend our lives in 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 authenticity, not not being fake humans, but authentic Being clothed to a degree uh, that's right is, nudity is authentic right, that's right. exactly correct that's a really good response yes. really good oh oh i know it is because they have no answer to that right what's authentic about deodorant right what's authentic about abiding by the speed limit if you want to drive over the speed limit yeah, there are a lot of ways that we that's right. restrain ourselves that's or do right. things we don't yeah. want to do so i'll tell you uh, you may not even know that I did this, um, but a few months ago, after I graduated from college and I moved back to LA, I think it was when I moved into my apartment, I really wanted to, as corny as it sounds, become more involved in my community because you and I talk a lot about, we talked about it last week on Dennis and Julie, um, the, the, the value and the importance of doing things in a small way. You know, we, we talked about how the left tells you to go fight racism, fight, fight climate change. You start with fighting yourself and you start with making, you know, differences, positive differences in your own community. So I wanted to become more involved. And so I decided to go to some AA meetings near my apartment. Why? Because I wanted to get to know more people in my community. I, I feel like we now... You never told me this. I, I know. I don't yeah, know why. When did, I did, you, when did you do this? I only did it twice, but this was a what? few months ago when I a moved A few months my, ago? Yeah. Yeah. And, well, it was for a few reasons. I wanted to get to know people so around me. So when you were at the Amy, Amy did, did they ask you to introduce yourself? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, so, why did you say, hi, I'm Julie, mm-hmm. but uh, but I, I, I'm, I've, I'm not addicted? Or what did you say? Yes, what I said. What does the non-addicted say? I, I said, I'm Julie. I thankfully do not and have not struggled with an addiction, but I have some very close friends and family members who have, and uh-huh. I'm curious to So that check was it. No, no, nobody... They were so nice. Yeah, no one well, gave me... They I, were... I, I think AA meetings are the nicest They are so the welcoming, and, and they were really touched that someone took an interest, oh, and especially really? someone young wanted to, yeah. to learn. And I said, I have... Uh, I've, I've, I understand that there is a lot of wisdom that is conveyed in these meetings, and I want a taste of it, even though I may not be troubled and you know in, in the in same that way. way. Yeah. And so I went twice, and um, by the and, way, you are addicted to reading. <laughs> I'm not joking. And to candy. I think. Uh, I am. I have candy every day. That's interesting. Certainly don't look. Cheese like puffs. You're I'm addicted to, to cheese puffs. I was, Oh, oh that's a separate issue. Is she addicted to uh, to, to candy? Do you, do you... you see the York peppermint patties? Yeah. I'm always. Oh, oh yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah, it's my vice. Okay, uh, but I am addicted to reading. That's don't true. don't re- don't forget what okay. you were about to say. I'm very curious about what you got at the meeting. Mm-hmm. But it is a very, uh, to me anyway, an interesting question. My my wife, I believe, is addicted to reading. And it, because she really is. Yes, right. <laughs> if you... By the way, I'm not sure that I'm not. See, if you if you took the ability to read away, mm-hmm. wouldn't she uh, go into... Uh, what is the word? Um, re- not remission. Uh, withdrawal? Yeah, withdrawal. Wouldn't she go into withdrawal sim- in a similar way that somebody... 
with deprived of, of alcohol? I, I don't think it would be to the same extent, Not physically, obviously. But 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 she she would sort of go out of her mind. And by Perhaps. the way, be, uh, so I, I think I would too. We, if you keep your brain alive, and it, and the nutrient is removed, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. I really do think I have become addicted to reading. I've actually gotten better about tempering it a bit in the last few weeks. But me, five or th- three or four months ago, I was totally addicted to it for two reasons. Number one, it takes my mind off of my bad self talk. And that's, that's, you know, same if I may Sue. say, it's same the same thing with, with Sue, Sue, and we've talked that's about right. that. Yep. So I can just start reading something, and I'm not, you know, beating myself up. And the second reason is I am so motivated to be the best talk show host that I can be. And, I, and also, I have this – it's not just professional. I want to learn as much as I can because I think it's so fulfilling that I was – I was like a little crazy about it. I mean, I would wake up and read for four hours and then come to work and then at night read for two and I'd highlight and underline and then I'd type up notes and then I'd like quiz myself about. So, and it was just this this pursuit of learning that I think was a little bit, um, what's pathological. Anyway, so I went to the AA meeting and they were so nice. And I think also in addition to wanting to glean the wisdom, wanting to be a community member for all that I talk about the importance of community, I also wanted to just encounter real people, Mm. you know, because they are so vulnerable and they're so struggling. And obviously it's not fun to see people struggling, but it's like all the layers are stripped. All the BS is stripped. They don't care about, you know, and they, they curse and they're loud and many of them go out and they're smoking their cigarette, but they're real. They're truly just, they've had to strip down to the bare bones and be real people. And so I loved that. Um, and gosh, I'm, I'm trying to tell you what I learned. It was just, it was just really interesting to hear how people, the, the you moments. You didn't speak up, did you? you no, just I just listened. listened and I, wrote, yeah, I took I would, notes. I, would think I, so, I, I didn't yeah. think it was my place. I, sometimes I had questions, but I didn't. Well, they, they might have appreciated questions. I did. I did ask some questions, but otherwise I didn't oh, speak Oh, you did? Up. Oh, okay. It was really interesting to hear people talk about the moments when they knew that, that it was too much. Because a lot of them said that they knew that they were addicts for a long time, but they thought that they could kind of live a life where yeah, right, it wouldn't impact them yeah. or they could hide it. Right. And it was really interesting when they talked about the moments when they knew that they had to quit. And a lot of it was, was that their relationships with their children changed oh really Mm -hmm. well it's funny uh not funny it's interesting that i i was blessed my parents had no pathologies like that i mean it wasn't the loving warm home but so what it was it was stable it was secure all of that and uh Oh man, it happened. It's, it's bingo. a bingo moment. Oh no. No, it's it's I love it because we're really relaxed. Oh yes. So I learn it is the reason because it doesn't happen to me on radio. I know. So For me. so the uh, I'm saying that because what I what I learned was not from my own experience. And that is if you grew up with an alcoholic parent, that is a very, very serious problem. Oh, I, I, I can't imagine. It must be. 
Can I go back for a moment to something that we were talking about earlier? Yes, just let me think if I wanted to pursue something there for a second. No, you got it. The wisdom. Oh, yes. One, one, one quickie. You, you won't forget, right? I won't. I okay. wrote it down. You're speaking of uh, people at AA meetings as real. Mm-hmm. You and I love real. My uh, my younger son is now sober seven years. Married, wants a child. He, he does a conservative podcast. I mean, he's he's a dream. But it was a very tar- hard time. He, I, I'm very open about it. He, it's fine with him. He was born to a meth addict because I adopted him. My, my late wife and I adopted him hit when he was born, the day he was born. And his friends are all recovering addicts. And I love them. <laughs> the, the, because they're so real. They came from Pennsylvania, where my son lives, to Florida when he got married at my older son's home in Florida. It was, a be- it was one of the truly, the- I was on a high. for I, I don't get on highs. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of on a permanent high, but the- you know what I mean. Gold dealers are a dime a dozen. They're everywhere. What sets these companies apart and who can you really trust? This is Julie Hartman for Amfed Coin and Bullion, Dennis's choice for buying precious metals. When you buy precious metals, it's imperative that you buy from a trustworthy and transparent dealer that protects your best interests. So many companies use gimmicks to take advantage of inexperienced gold and silver buyers. Be cautious of brokers offering free gold and silver or brokers that want to sell you overpriced collectible coins, claiming they appreciate more than gold and silver. What about hidden commissions and huge markups? Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed have always had Dennis's back. Nick's been in this industry for over 42 years, and he's established a reputation built on trust, transparency, and fair pricing. If you're interested in buying or selling, call Nick Grovich and his team at AmFed Coin and Bullion, 1-800-221-7694, AmericanFederal.com, AmericanFederal.com. You are on a permanent high. I feel like you're yes. always on a high. Well, I am. It's, it's a gift, and I work on it. Both are true. But... Nevertheless, this was beyond anything. I mean, I was just floating that day. And his friends, I so adore them. You know my story about putting them on the radio? Yes, yes. People probably don't know it. Elsie doesn't know it. and That's my standard, whether I say something or not. Elsie, you've really entered my consciousness. I mean, it's pretty clear. Do people know who Elsie is? Or do we they think I'm talking her. to like Mr. Snuffleupagus? Well, she's she's our invisible friend. Yeah, that's what yeah. I mean. It's Mr. Snuffleupagus. Is, is, I don't know who that is. Oh, Mr. Snuffleupagus is, um, what's the name of the giant uh, chicken in, uh, in Sesame Street? Big Bird is not a chicken, just a bird? Okay. Big Bird has an invisible friend. Oh, did I tell you this? Wait, sorry. I know I'm getting sidetracked. I had an imaginary friend when I was little for like a hot second. Guess what his name was? Dennis. Dennis. Isn't that eerie? That's Isn't that crazy? Eerie. I, I'm not blinking. <laughs> <sighs> uh, that's where I, I feel like 
well, I definitely believe God exists for many Is reasons. That a premonition? But God, wow. God, I think sprinkles in these fun things like the face on the moon. You look at look at the way that Mr. Tubbs, your new dog, who I got to admit I'm not a big fan of Mr. Tubbs. <laughs> Sorry, it's just because he chews my shoes and he I follows me everywhere I think that's and licks adorable. me. Well, Keep are your at shoes it, Mr. being Tubbs. chewed? No, mine are. My 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 slippers are being chewed. It's a disgrace. Anyway. Look at pugs. Like, God just makes kind of these absurd-looking creatures for our delight. I mentioned the man on the moon, and I think the fact that my imaginary friend's name was Dennis, that was another one of God sprinkling in something fun that will later in life make sense. That's very touching, actually. It must must crack you up. So tell the story of oh. being on the radio with Aaron's friends. So, it's great. So I was in Pennsylvania to give a speech in Philadelphia area. So I broadcast when I'm on the road. I go to my local station mm-hmm. and broadcast. So they're they're an hour and a half away from Philadelphia, but so what? And I said, why don't you come on my show? Aaron, bring three of your buddies. We'll talk about addiction for an hour. So a lot of addicts. So, or, it's hard to imagine that m- more than one out of 10 Americans does not either experience it or know someone. Probably addicted. more. No, no, no. I, I, in other words, 90%, I believe. Oh, I see. Yeah. I think 90% of Americans oh, yeah. either oh, yes. know someone or I thought or you were is. saying 10%. No, no, no. Way of course higher. Not. 10% may not know. Okay. So I knew it would be of general interest. So... I had the guys on. They were terrific. The second they announced, okay, hour's done, they all gave each other high fives because they didn't curse for one hour. Sometimes I give they myself going, a high five. They were so proud of themselves. They had actually got an hour without cursing. Sometimes I do that. I give myself a uh-huh. high five. Uh, there's must. That's right. There's the invisible creature. There's. A, I never watched. Big that. Bird's Dennis. Do you know that I watched Sesame Street every day? I was at Columbia University in graduate school. Why? I would. I, I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> this was pre-politicized Sesame Street, mm. and Bert and Ernie. They were a riot. Uh, Oscar the Grouch. I mean, I really know Sesame Street. From then, I don't, I don't know. I, I love looking back at non-political, just oh, forms of fun. Like, God. okay, Sean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to create more work for you. Can you pull up the Frito Bandito commercial? I, yai, yai, yai. You know the Frito Bandito? <laughs> I am the Frito Bandito. It's the the Mexican. Oh, today you'd be arrested. He was thrown <laughs> off the air. Or he was a cartoon, <laughs> and he was kicked off in the '80s because you can't, uh-huh. you know, have can't a Mexican have a, can't wear a sombrero. Can't have a Mexican accent. I know, and or, it was so or, or funny. No. It's it's, it's, hilarious. That's one of the reasons I I really don't like the left is they're not real. Mm. They hate the real. Well said. It's a war against the real. Yes. Well, I mean, literally in every way. Yes. In every way. The transgender movement, the... the Defund the police movement. They are children. It's not rooted in reality. That's why I call leftists children. Because they are A, narcissistic, and B, they... They can't handle life. 
That's that's a very big factor in leftism, fear of reality. Yes. When I wrote my two part series, it's it's on it's on my thousand columns are all on the internet. I I have to live with what I've written in one thousand columns, aside from books, and I'm I'm pr- and I'm proud to, by the way. So about fifteen years ago, I wrote a two part column when the when a wife is not in the mood, and. Uh, it, it went sort of viral. My thesis was, which I think is about as uh, down-to-earth, inoffensive as you can get, but in the world of a war on reality, I'll tell you what happened as a result. But my thesis was very simple. You're a happily married woman. You love your husband. He loves you. He treats you well. You're not in the mood to have sex. Nevertheless, don't let your mood be the only determinant. So sometimes, even if you're not in the mood, big deal. I love him. He loves me, and and you know, let's let's go let's go for it, Fred. Okay, Fred. so I didn't write Fred. That was it. That was it. That was the entirety. Understood that you know there were totally times she doesn't feel well. She has a headache. She worked crazy with the kids or or at work. We understand all of that is in there, and that obviously it's her choice. I mean, whether he can't force himself on her, that wasn't even implied. So, in the I think it was the Daily Kos, uh, big gigantic left wing site. At least then I don't know if it is today. I think it is, but I don't know. They write Dennis Prager advocates marital rape. This became a meme on the left that I advocate marital rape. Now, why would they write that? One, of course, because they smear all conservatives. Okay, that's par for the course for the left. But also because they couldn't handle the idea that a man might suggest to a woman, if you're not in the mood to make love, you might want to give it a try if you, if he, if you love him anyway. That, that is verboten. That is forbidden. Mm-hmm. Well, I know just how much that pissed off the left because when I was in college and I started doing Dennis and Julie with you, and even before that, I was on your show one summer uh, weekly, so so people knew about my association with you. And out of all of the things you've ever said in your career, that was the thing that was brought up the most to me. Wow. That in gay marriage, but more that than 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 gay marriage. Interestingly. And women, I mean, there, it was mostly, actually, I should, I can't remember, I'm sure a man brought it up, but it was mostly women that was saying, you know, this is a really awful position and Dennis is advocating that, you know, women force themselves into something that isn't their choice. And, um, you're right. It's really no, by the way, they're right. I think you should force yourself when it's a good thing. I force myself to do good things all the time. Right, but as you say, and it's you know, it's at the end of the day, it's their choice. Yes, of course. Of course. And you never wrote in there that a man should for you know. No, it's if, not even implied, right. let alone wrote it. And, and I don't, even, I don't think that way. Right. But in order to lead a good life, you can't only do what you're in the mood I to for, do. T- Why is that not obvious? I force myself to work out sometimes. Well, yes, I, exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Me right. too. Three right. times a week, it's right. pure force. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, uh, there, there are things that I do for the family that, you know, I, 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 I'd rather be listening to my audio equipment. Right. 
But 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 so what? Well, you're right that that leftism runs away from reality, and they think that they can create a utopia where they're happier. But you, the further you run away from reality, the worse your yeah, life gets. It, it catches if up. If you accept you. reality and strive to, you know, make the best of it, change things when you can, you're just a happier person. I cite this example all the time. Sometimes it's uncomfortable to talk about males' uh, extreme, you know, sexual drive. Maybe if I were designing the world from scratch, I would have designed it, you know, a little tempered down, a little right. less, you know, intense. But I can't deny that that's the reality. And then the more the more I understand it, the more I see that it's actually not so scary. And oh, the wow. more that you, you never said that to me, yeah. but I, I knew it would happen. Well, my my forgive me. No, my please. my task in that arena is to I, I've used this many times defang male sexuality in women's eyes because it, it is no I this I get though I'm not a woman when you first learn about male sexuality it has to be scary it is I, I there won't is lie no, it is I, I, I totally because we, we are so different Correct. in that arena that, that is exactly right and then you realize it's sort of like when my older brother I, well, I was about 11 and I said you know Kenny I'm really uh I get scared of uh, monster movies on TV. So he said, what you should do is watch as many as possible Mm -hmm. until the monsters don't scare you. Don't scare you. And it worked. The same with male sexuality. Let me tell you part of the reason why it's less scary to me. Because I have seen how denying it is actually scarier. With hookup culture, which I saw on full display in college, where instead of acknowledging that women and men have different sexual proclivities, they try to run away from that reality, say that men that women want promiscuous, frivolous, constant sex as much as men, and then women are just giving men exactly what they want with no commitment, and they're often doing things. It when they don't want to, but they feel like they have God, to. God, that I is so ironic. I, it is so ironic. I've seen the evil of denying it. It actually exacerbates the. I don't know if it's a problem, but right. the, but the yes. reality that you're trying to run away from. That's right. If you just acknowledge that men and women have different sexual proclivities, each sex has to deal right. So with a that married in a fair way. so so a married man who loves her husband and he treats her beautifully, she should not at any time do what is not natural which is have sex even though she's not in the mood but a an unmarried woman at college i know should should should, should, should do that constantly do yes, that work against their nature it's empowerment i mean the whole the whole thing is, yeah, is crazy yeah, the whole, it is yes you're right you're so right that fundamentally leftism is anti-reality based but even also if you look at Look, I'm not trying to paint all leftists with one broad brush, but most leftists I've met, they care so much about their affect. They care so much about appearing super woke and enlightened and conscious of feelings that it's that it it really is inauthentic. In addition to their positions not being rooted in reality. Well, what their is more unreal than men give birth? Well, exactly. So if you don't mind, I want to go back a little bit. Is that okay? Totally. I oh, the Frito Bandito, absolutely. Bandito like me. You do. Then you must sing the Bandito song. Let's sing together. You just follow the bouncing Frito's corn chips bag. Ay, 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 ay. 
I am the Frito Bandido. Yeah. I like Frito's corn chips. I love them, I do. I want Frito's corn chips. I'll get them from you. Ay, 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 ay. Oh, I am the Frito Bandito. Give me Frito's corn chips and I'll be your friend. The Frito Bandito, you must not offend. Now, boys and girls, you are Frito Bandidos too. You sing the Frito Bandito song and you look for crunchy Fritos corn chips. That's nice. Munch, That's munch, nice. munch, munch, munch. What year is that from? 80s, I think. Or no, 70s. No, no. Which, yeah, I think so. That late? Ha ha! What year? What year? Did he say? Sean, did you say He just year? nodded. So there's another commercial. Wow, I thought it was like from the 50s. Wow. There's another commercial where there's this... By the way, what's wrong with that? Nothing. It's hilarious. It's yes. fun. Uh, uh, there, there, are no, there are no Mexicans who have that type of accent? Of course. Well, I mean, and what is wrong with that? Well, Will Witt of PragerU did this. I think it's one of the best videos he's ever done where he put on a sombrero and a mustache and like, I don't know what it's called, the... You know, a bunch. It's almost like a quilt with a bunch of colors. I right. don't know. Yeah. And he walked on UCLA's campus, and he was like, "Are you offended by this?" And all these, you know, woke UCLA students were like, "This is so awful. This is cultural appropriation." And then he went to like the the downtown LA like Mexican quarter, and he wore and and there were Mexican like that were high fiving him and thought he was so funny. Yeah. Well, it's like uh, Latinx. Right. Well, exactly. Yes. Latinos have contempt for that. Yes, they do. It's Anglo whites who, I know. who, who <laughs> use it. I would, if I could go back in time, I would advise people to not let the, because they took the Frito Bandito off the air, I think in 1981. That was the start of wokeism. That was the start of opening the floodgates. I would say, no, you're canceled. The Frito Bandito is here to stay. Exactly. I love that guy. Okay. Going back. I just we were, we were talking about where where or what time period we would go to. You were saying a tavern during the American Revolution. I was saying Hester Prynne, Scarlet Letter, Puritan, Massachusetts era. I have also thought a lot about. I, I wish that I could become invisible and go to some other countries and just walk the streets. Like I would really love to go to Iran. Not as Julie, because I'd probably be thrown in jail immediately because I speak so uh, poorly of Iran with good reason. Terrible, misogynistic government. And also, I probably wouldn't wear a hijab, so they would be done with me. But I would love to be able to see what reality is really like in other countries, even in China. I would love to go and just observe. Right, and know the language, obviously. And know the language. Yeah. Imagine if you could go back in time, to, using Iran as an example, to life under the Shah. And see what that was like, you know, and then compare well, it to I, today. Well, I was in Iran uh, under the Shah. No way. Yeah. Wow. Right before the revolution. What was it like? Well, I'll tell you in a moment. The This will blow your mind. I flew from Tehran to Tel Aviv on El Al Airlines. The fact that there was even a flight. Of course. And He was Israeli completely air. pro-Israel. Iran right. was, a, was pro-Israel, very pro-Israel. I, among the many little things of my life that I no longer own, that's one of my top five. That I don't have that airline ticket. Oh my gosh! Tehran, I know. Tel Aviv, Dennis Prager. That would 
That would sell for By the way, so needless to say, what did I do on the flight? I went to everyone who looked Persian and asked them, do you speak English? Virtually all did. Not necessarily well, but spoke. Why are you going to Israel? Oh, good question. A very good question. What did they say? Virtually everyone for medical treatment. And I I remember thinking, does anybody in the world know this? How many people, how many Persian Muslims come to Israel to be treated? There's so many important things that are unreported. Yes. Well... What was I? Now I'm doing it. You forgot earlier. I had this point about, oh, oh yes. So I did a show on Timeless about Mustafa Kemal Ataturk because this this year, 2023, marks 100 years since the Republic of Turkey was founded by Ataturk after the Ottoman Empire collapsed. And it's really interesting to see how similar the Shah of Iran pre-1979 was to Mustafa Kemal Ataturk, where they both were very pro-Western, but they were also quite anti-Islam. They both had, under Turkey and Mustafa Kemal Ataturk's time and under Reza Shah in Iran, they sent soldiers into the streets to like tear off the hijabs that women were wearing. They actually banned hijabs and other they banned forms the of fez, clothing. The fez, the, the yes. Turkish hat. But it's how many people even know that? How many people even know that Iran, what was it, over 50 years ago, was literally a photographic negative image of what it was today? That's right. How many people know about... So when I was there, it was as as if I... I was only in Tehran. Um, That's important. Nevertheless, it was like being in a Western country. I bet. How many people know that, that China, 60 years ago, was basically a backward agrarian peasant country mm-hmm. and now it is totally eating our lunch as right. joe biden would say but he denies that well, china's could, eating our you lunch. could thank capitalism yes i mean there's nothing else that has lifted people out of poverty nothing mm-hmm. but the people who are anti-capitalist don't care about lifting people from poverty which is another issue and i have another point to go back <laughs> to something earlier we were discussing and i'm going to credit this one to astrid who is this lovely Danish woman who has her own radio show in Denmark. Dennis met her, and she's come to visit, but she left recently, sadly. You were talking about how it's a gift that we don't know what day we're going to die. And it's also a gift how we actually don't know if there's a God or if there's an afterlife. I think it makes the the pursuit of trying to figure that out. Well, it gives us free will. Right. when, When are you freer to drive? When the, when the highway patrol or sheriff or policeman, police car is right next to you on the highway, or when you don't know whether there will be one. When are you free to drive as you want? That's a really good analogy. A perfect analogy. Before if I... you knew God were next to you, were watching every knew it, not, not believed it, knew it, you would have much less freedom. Mm-hmm. Okay, can I pause before I tell you my point? You are really good. With coming up with, ana- like the the yes, one you analogies. talked about, body odor, yes. you know, with the right. fake it till you make it thing that you said, and then this one with God, how do, how have you been able to do that? I have no answer. That's the way I think. I think, what is it? Immediately, I hear an idea, and I picture. I, I think 
a lot in pictures, oddly mm-hmm. enough. I picture an analogy. I've been trying to do that, and and I, but it's, it's hard. Yeah, well, it's I hard to find yeah. it on the nose too. Uh, that's look. It's a very interesting thing about how do you know when you have a gift? You don't know it until you realize others can't do it. <laughs> that's really what a gift is. If everybody could do it, it's not a gift. Yep. I mean, there are people who can play piano unbelievably well. It's a gift. It's They sit down at a piano and it comes to their fingers. Mm-hmm. So, by, by the way, it's just not for now, but it'd be a fun thing to discuss. Does everyone have a gift? Oh, that's a great one. It is a great one. I'm going to write that down. And, and I, I have I thought, so. I, have, I do too. The question is, do you find it? Isn't it sad that some people don't think everyone has a gift and they might have one and then won't? Oh, you mean find about it? themselves? Yes. Yes, very sad. I think you are more likely to realize slash think that you have a gift if you're religious than if you're secular. Really? Yes. Because secular individuals think that we are just kind of a bundle of materialist scientific and there's this weird like uniformity to human beings looking at the world that way and i think if you have a religious worldview you know that you're created in the image and likeness of god you know that god's hand has touched you to speak in a figurative way well that's sweet but i I don't know i think you do i I don't know i i don't think secular people view human human beings as preciously well, as we do. Well, the vast majority of your Harvard uh, fellow students are secular. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of them think they have gifts. Mm. I think a lot of them... They probably think they have gifts well, that they don't even there's have. there's a difference, <laughs> actually. I think a lot of them think that they are gifted, but in a conventional way. Like, they're very smart and they're athletic. I think people have certain gifts of consciousness or personality or connection with other people that some of my Harvard classmates may not be inclined to see in themselves or others because they're so focused on the conventional gifts of academics and sports mm-hmm. and music. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, back to Astrid. I just had to pause because you're so good at, at those analogies. So we were talking about how it's a gift that you... You're so good at noting... <laughs> What is notable? Well, thank you. Apropos, I have a show Julie noted. It's a segment of my time on the show. There you go. I'm just no- noting things. Um, okay, so it's a gift to not know if there's a God. There's, there, It's a gift to not know when you're going to die. I, I was speaking with Astrid about some of the gifts that, we have in reality that we don't appreciate. You were actually talking about one of them on your show the other day, and I think you were kind of joking. You were saying gravity. <laughs> you you were saying you were talking about how people are ungrateful, and then you said that um, that that we should be grateful that we have gravity because life would be really hard. You know, we we wouldn't be able to function if we didn't have it. And I know you're kind of saying it tongue in cheek, but it's but it's true. Totally true. 
On MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillow sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank each and every one of you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You will receive a queen-size MyPillow for $19.98. Regular price is $69.98, and it's just $10 more for a king-size. You'll receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other great products that you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio and podcast square and use the promo code Hartman to receive this amazing offer on the queen size MyPillow for $19.98 or call 1-800-566-6745. This comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality sleep that you deserve. Go to MyPillow.com and use the promo code Hartman or call 1-800-566-6745 today. Totally true. So, <laughs> and, and so I was talking with Astrid about that. And then I was saying, we were, we were having a separate discussion, and I said, it must be one of the worst things in the world to be at the end of your life and know that you're going to die and fear death. And we were saying it's such a shame that in the United States, we don't value our elders as much as we used to. We don't think we ought to call or visit our grandparents. We kind of throw away the elderly as people who don't matter. And we should really, you know, honor and respect those people, especially because it must be so scary to realize that you're on the cusp of going somewhere else. And you know what Astrid said, and it's so true. She said, God has given us a weird gift, though, by having our constitution change, like our bodies change and actually decay, because that means at the end of your life, a lot of people are much less fearful of of passing on. Well, more ready to go. Yes, more ready to go because yeah, they, they can't right. enjoy life the way that they used to. That's right. Anyway, I just, I like this, I like the thought that, that you and I are talking about and I talked about with Astrid, that we we don't even consider gifts of reality as gifts and we would be happier if we appreciated that god designed the world this way yeah the 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 whole thing the whole thing i mean all, all of life i this is a this i didn't know in high school i didn't i would i would say i didn't even know this at 40 Everything is a choice. The reason I learned it is because of the left. Because the left, marriage, for example. You've heard now the song, Love and Marriage Go Together. You introduced it to me. Yes, I know. I know that. This is from the 50s. So I grew up thinking, you get married. Not, not, you have a choice not to. You have a choice whom to. But not weather. It, it wasn't a choice. That's what you did. A man got married. A man took care of a family. It was definitional. It wasn't a choice. The left has made everything into a choice. Oh, you don't have to get married. You don't have to have children. There are no shoulds, you know, the, the, the old thing. So every everything is a choice. You and here, by the way, I I had a, many discussions with my Christian friends, and God knows how many Christian friends I have. 
God does know. Yes, he does. And this started when I, on my first radio show, Religion on the Line, because I had a, a rabbi, a priest, a minister, different ones each week for 10 years. So that's a lot of people to talk to about religion. So m- most of the Christians, most of the Catholic priests and the Protestant pastors, their position was that faith is a gift from the Holy Spirit was the way they would often put it. And I never agreed with them. It is true that for some people it is a gift, that they don't have to work at it. I have to work at it. I've always had to work at it, and successfully, I truly believe in God. But I I worked to believe and I have scriptural bases of, of, about uh, your working to come to faith. People, this is ironic, that many religious people and many non-religious people agree. You either believe or you don't believe. Mm-hmm. The non, The secular sort of believe that if you don't have a road to Damascus moment, where God comes to you, as it were, mm-hmm. then that's it. I believe you choose. I always tell, whenever I meet an agnostic, uh, you know what I say? Okay, you're an agnostic. Oh, yeah. Do you live as a believer or an atheist? Oh. You can't, you can't live as an agnostic. You either live as a believer it's really... or as an atheist. That's like what you ask the atheist, do you hope yes. you're wrong? yes. Exactly. Do you hope you're right or wrong? Wow. But every agnostic lives lives like an atheist. Hmm. How so? Because they don't lead a religious life. Now, but let me put it this way. Every non-Jewish. I I know Jewish agnostics who lead a religious life. Because Judaism is so behavioral. Where your mind is, is secondary to where your behavior is. This is a a big controversy that I won't get into now that (laughs) I got into involuntarily. I think people know (laughs) the controversy (laughs) back then. Yes. But I I have led a life of choices. I chose to get married. I chose to have children. I was so adamant about children that when my, my late wife... Could not, could not conceive. I said, so let's adopt, which for me it, it, to this day is a non-issue, as you know. Blood schmud is my view of blood. I don't care if I'm blood related to you. And I, I have so many proofs. We ought to do, we should definitely do. Did we not do a blood, a blood schmud? Uh... We talked about adoption and um, abandonment issues, but we haven't. Oh, no, but not blood schmud. Good. Right. Because I can convince anybody. Blood shemud. Yes. I can, right, can, I notes. know I can convince anybody that blood is less important than they think. Can I pause for a moment? I agree with you. You have been one of the people, you have been the person who has convinced me. I don't know if I would say blood shemud, but you've convinced me that blood certainly doesn't always. I could convince you leave. blood shemud. Well, let me. But I won't say Let me tell why. you how you may contradict <laughs> yourself a little bit. Yeah. 
you just posted a magnificent fireside chat that I watched because I watch you a lot where you talked about how it's a travesty that people don't speak to their parents. Yes. One of the Ten Commandments, as you know, honor your father and mother. I think there's an element in that is that you you ought to honor and respect the people who you are blood related to. Because really, that's what your father and mother are. They're, they're, they're people who you are blood related to. I guess not in the case of, of Aaron and you. Right, but that's not insignificant. It's not that insignificant. Does, wait, so does honor your father and mother apply to my adopted son? Of course. Okay. But I'm saying one of the components of, I think, why God wants us to honor our father and mother is that we, we, ha- we have a familial tie to them in addition to the right. fact that they raised yes, us. Yes. Okay. So... Uh, I don't have a proof that you're wrong, even though uh, I, I, you, there's probably it's probably true to a certain extent. But I have a a sort of argument from the Bible itself, from the Torah itself. Okay. It, for, well, it comes from the Torah and its Jewish tradition. Who saved Moses when he was in a little? little tiny boat so to speak right when pharaoh ordered are you quizzing me yeah well i'm not quizzing you it was because i was so sure you knew that uh, the daughter of pharaoh it's okay i don't know exodus as back in front as i know genesis right i i should never assume because i know the stuff by heart it's fine yeah but makes me better okay you do believe that to your credit yeah so Pharaoh ordered all Hebrew baby boys drowned in the Nile. Moses is born, and his mother puts him in a little, I don't know what the English word is. The Hebrew word is the same as Noah's Ark. Interesting, which I make a point in my commentary. He So he's put in, just like the world was saved with Noah's Ark, the Jews were saved with Moses' Ark as a baby. Mm-hmm. Basket, yeah, yeah, basket. That's the way we say it in English. He's put in a little basket and floated on the Nile. Who saves him? Mm-hmm. The daughter of Pharaoh. And she knew, oh, it's, obviously it's a Hebrew because why would he be floating on the Nile? His mother tried to save his life. Okay. Do you know that Jewish tradition, this even blew my mind, regards the daughter of Pharaoh as Moses' mother? That's mind-blowing. That's cool. Because she saved him and raised him. That's that's very cool. Very cool. And, it, I, and I think, I, I just, the reason why I wouldn't say blood schmud is that I don't think it's just that blood is trivial and doesn't matter. I think the Torah affirms and, and holds that, you know, blood isn't the only connector that, you know, Moses' mother can be someone who he is not biologically related to. But I still think that you, I still think that God would want you to look out for your own. Let me give you an example from my own life, Gina. Gina's not my daughter. Gina's my sister. For those who don't know, I have a severely autistic older sister and I am her conservator. So when my parents die, I am, I basically inherit her as essentially my child and you know, I want to protect Gina. I love her. She adds a lot to my life. I, I I adore her beyond words and I will always look out for her, but I can't lie that one of the reasons why I will look out for her is that she's my sister. I I wouldn't take it 
as a uh, responsibility of mine to look out for another autistic girl if she weren't my sister? Correct. So the only question is, if she were your sister because your parents adopted her. Oh, I would, would do that too, yes. I know. Oh, okay. I would. That's, that's all my point. Part of my blood schmutt argument is I've asked people, so you're going to be stuck on an island for six months. Do you want to be with a friend or a <laughs> well, relative? Well, that's totally true. Okay, so that's big. Can I give you another example of the importance we of We would blood? die for our family, but we live for our friends. That's a good it's one. It's a Pragerism. That belongs on a t-shirt. <laughs> exactly. Uh, my mom has a napkin that says, friends are God's way of apologizing for family or something like that. That is Isn't hilarious. That <laughs> okay, another example of the importance of blood. Judaism. Yeah, what about but you it? You need to promulgate, you know, keep, there are so few Jews and the bloodline really matters. Right, And you, but, but you know, Judaism also did the opposite. You could not convert to be an Egyptian. You you could you could you could you could only convert to uh, to being a Jew in the ancient world. Then, of course, Christianity. But Christ, Christians were not a nation. Jews were a nation. You, you could convert to being a Jew, non-blood. Mm-hmm. The Messiah will come in both for Christ, the second coming, or the first in, indeed. But for Jews, the Messiah will come from a convert, Ruth. How's My that? middle name. There are no words. <laughs> I My found you're talking to Invisible Dennis more moving. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't believe that. That's a very big deal that the Messiah will come. The Jewish belief that is the Messiah will come from the a descendant of a convert. There I in my blood schmud uh a presentation I, that is one of the one of the proof texts, as it were, that I use, and and the and the simple one, you know, if you if you were stuck on an island, very few people would choose a relative. By the way, <laughs> so that, that, true. <laughs> yes, it is true, and, and and because that's that's everyone has a role. Relatives have a role, and friends have a role. Mm-hmm. But remember, you choose friends, you don't choose relatives, so it makes perfect sense. Here, it's not an insult to your relatives. Here's the thing, though. Society, and, and I totally agree with you, I would probably choose a friend over a relative if I were on a desert island. I think that non-blood ties are, are hugely important and essential, a la adoption. However, I don't think society would function if we didn't think that we had a certain allegiance above others to our bloodline imagine if parents imagine if parents thought oh well it doesn't matter that they're my biological kids you know i like that kid better i'm gonna right invest more in that kid than my own for those for whom that is is a need i think that that's and i'm not saying that patronizingly it's a good point to end that's that's good but we'll we'll do a blood spot thing it's it's an extremely interesting it and is. I'm very obviously, I'm so pro-adoption. Which so many people would not expect of you. I, I feel like you need to publicize that more. There are so many parts of your life that people yeah. would not, they, they would think that, as I say, you are this nuclear family absolutist right. because you're this conservative. Uh, my wife and I are godparents to a gay couple's That's children. That's another one. And also, H- How many people know that? Or, or and, and the amazing thing is, even if they know it, though, it doesn't matter. 
see, the left judges thought more than behavior. That I treat gays as yes. no differently than anyone else. That is so right. Is unimportant because I think marriage is between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, another final example I'll give is uh, I was watching one of, as I say, I watch you a lot. I was watching one of your YouTube videos about men and women, and I guess maybe you were saying something that pissed off some feminists. And someone wrote, Prager must be married to a Stepford wife, docile. And I, I looked at that comment and I went, oh my gosh, they have no idea how wrong The stuff are. written about me out there. Well, it's I mean, so conjecture. Let me tell you, I have the honor of knowing Sue Prager. Sue Prager is not a Stepford wife, <laughs> docile person. She is, she'll tell you how she feels. There are very few males that are as strong as she. Oh, yeah. There, there's no question. Oh, oh, to- absolutely. Yeah, that's correct. But she's quite feminine. That's right. She's perfect. <laughs> What was Mr. Snuffleupagus's first name, Sean asks. You're looking at the wrong girl. I can't tell you the important things that come through these earphones. He didn't have a first name. Oh, he did. He did? Dennis. Dennis. No. Sean. No. Zach. Rick. Yerachmiel. Alejo. Tony. Uh, Beryl. Uh, Excuse Aloysius? me? Aloysius? Aloysius Snuffleupagus? I love it. Uh, he's entering Prager territory. I love names. Maybe I need to watch Sesame Street. I, I don't. I don't understand. That is truly three if quarters were of to, your references. If somebody were to ask me, what is the most surprising thing about you that no one knows? I now have an answer. I know everything about Sesame Street. And you watched it when you were in graduate e- school every Cuckoo. day before leaving. Uh, uh, to- As you were writing your. Your yeah. Why the Jews book. Yeah. yeah. So, no, but the I do that. Yeah. I, re- I was reading the other night Modern Times by Paul Johnson, which is a really heavy book. And then I was like, you know, I'm done. And then I turned on The Kardashians. No, I'm that, the same that, way. No, you have to do, of course, that. I that's go exactly from extremely right. highbrow to extremely lowbrow. So that's a, that's worthy of its own discussion. It, it, wait, The Kardashians is not Real Housewives. That's totally separate. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I've never, I, I seen, I've never too, seen The Kardashians. I have seen. Real Housewives, which the only reason that I'm surprised you love it, although I may have an explanation and then we'll end, is I I totally get, you know, tune out, not intellectually elevated stuff. I totally get it. But I tuned in. So, for example, if you watched... Uh, what is it? Um, oh God, when 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 they're abandoned on an island, Survivor. If you watch Survivor, it make perfect sense to me. But when I watched Real Housewives, I think once, my hotel room, and I thought, I can't endure this. It, I I I would have preferred to stare at the ceiling and think <laughs> the. Conversation was so vapid. <laughs> so I have an explanation. Okay. How does one of the deepest human beings I know, Julie Hartman, enjoy the vapidness of Real Housewives? So I have an answer. 
women, the female part of you. Oh, yes. Their, their discussions in some way fascinate you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yep. the answer. That is the answer. There's a huge female component. I, I You're can't right. imagine men watching Real Housewives. What's a male TV show, like a trashy male thing oh, that people would watch? I'm not sure. I'm sure I there is one. TV. That's an interesting question. Most people who watch Real Housewives so, well, are watch, women. Sean, Sean watches trash. Sean, what uh, <laughs> pro wrestling? <laughs> yeah, I can't relate. I can't relate pro to wrestling. wanting to watch pro wrestling. That's the best. <laughs> It's so it's so no 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 it, it, gory pro, it's well, vile. It's, it, I love watching sports, but okay. pro wrestling is theater, and that that's all you need to know. I don't I don't think there's anything real except they are in good shape because they get bounced on the ground a lot. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. By the way, okay, sorry. I know we keep having to end. Cauliflower ear. Do you know what that is? It's if you get punched in the ear a lot. Like boxers get that. I never knew that was a thing. I saw some guy with it the other day. Really? He said he was a boxer. I didn't want to be rude, but he had it. And I, so I went home well, and I Googled Zach, boxer uh, ear. Zach on our staff of 14 Who's, people yeah. who make this possible. He he uh, he boxes. I don't know if there's 14, but he does we can go with that. He does what? Kickboxing. Uh, kickboxing, yes, exactly. How can people reach me? By going on Hinge. Oh, and no. <laughs> That's the surest way not to reach me. That <laughs> uh, was a good one. <laughs> I answered your question and you don't like the answer. Yeah, go to Hinge Los Angeles and you'll uh, see me. Okay. Anyway, Julie yeah. at Julie-Hartman.com. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Julie R. Hartman. And you can follow Dennis now on Instagram, right, Dennis? We can follow you on Instagram. What's your Instagram? We went over this. We did. Yes. You have an Instagram. It's at the Dennis Prager. Yes. Because it's the, the Dennis, Dennis Prager. Prager. The. Dennis is my middle name. My, my parents named me the. Mark is a good middle name. Isn't it Mark? Yes, but why is it good? It's not. No, it it's was. It's not Gordon. Sorry, I if never a use Gordon it. I, have, I never ever use it. It's not on any of my credit cards. It's not on my license. Okay. Only on your Wikipedia. No. Yeah, Wikipedia did it. That's, That's how I right. know it. Yeah. No, Denmark. You're Denmark. That's what's cool about it. Yes, my grandmother Denmark, called me Denmark. Denmark. Yes. That's okay. I always thought of Denmark. Why is why is DM, DM Prager, Prager impressive? Like, you can DM Prager. Like DM Forster? DM is direct message. Oh, yeah. You can so you DM can D- Prager. You can yeah. DM Prager at the Dennis Prager on right. Instagram. So here's this. My initials are DP. Department of Police, Department of Parks, Double Play, Displaced Person. I'm happy for you. You probably are, but this is not the reason. Good note to end on after trying to end for seven minutes. Bye, everyone. We'll see you soon. You can catch Dennis and Julie every Monday on this channel. Shalom.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.